0: let's uh, ask the Lord's blessing. Dear Lord, we're grateful. We'd ask that you'd be with us as we go through this portion of the word. In your son's name, amen. A few uh, stories that prompted this. Um, There's some sharp turns. I was, uh, brushing brushed my teeth yesterday. We have a little dressing room right outside my bathroom. So I was in the dressing room, brushing my teeth, looking out the window, snow, you know, you know, real pretty. I'm looking down at my lawn, looking at my sidewalk, pleased that it was snow blown. Look at my lawn again, and somebody had written in my lawn in the snow, a very direct and scatological thing. I won't share it. And I said, you know, this is interesting. If I had not been up here looking down out of my window, it was upside down, but it was still, I could read it, I I would have missed that. I never would have walked down that portion of sidewalk and seen, written in my yard, what I saw written. I glanced out this morning, and somebody else had added something to it. So I don't know. I don't know if I even want to go look and read the rest of it. So I was, I was thinking about that—that that how it took an entirely different vantage point regarding my yard for me to see something in the yard. So I'm just musing on ideas like vantage points. Last night we were in the library. Uh, a few folks, Peter Escalante was there and was sharing an old story from the way back in Berkeley and I had a friend he'd go running with and his friend was really handsome. A really handsome friend. As a side note, I realized I had not had a handsome friend. But then somebody shared that I perhaps was the handsome friend. Tristan trying to get his rent lowered. So we lowered it. <laughs> well, Pe- Peter was talking about this handsome friend, how he was like 1940s movie star handsome. And everybody loved him. How we measure, how we measure the wrong thing. Or a thing that doesn't matter. It's not wrong to look at somebody and go, well, they're pretty or they're handsome. That happens to be what they are. It's what we do with it. There's nothing wrong with a handsome man. I mean, I don't know if you knew that. I live with the burden. Or being beautiful. There's generally just something wrong with the rest of us. And how we look at it, how we award it positively measure things by it, well, she's beautiful. She must be a goddess. So I was thinking about those things, and uh, initially sat down and and was looking at uh, the passage in the Gospels where Peter gives the great confession, and then like a paragraph later, the Lord is saying, get thee behind me, Satan, to Peter. I said, you know, Peter's going through some shifts here, some Different, and I was, I was looking at that for, but then I did in that passage like a year ago. So off I went to First Samuel 9. There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, son of Zeror, son of Bechorath, son of Aphaiah, a Benjaminite, a man of wealth. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a handsome young man. But that is not enough. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Now, we know the story of Saul. You've had enough Bible. You know King Saul, first king, well, second king, actually, of Israel, Abimelech. I won't go into that. But I did win a uh, Bible trivia Contest on that answer because nobody else knew that Abimelech was the first king of Israel second king of Israel he was a head and tall than everybody else and really good looking and the next few chapters are describing how Saul comes to power he's anointed by Samuel Samuel writes up the book for guiding the kings, the people draw lots to find him. He ends up hiding in the baggage. A lot of interesting personal notes. And then in Samuel 10, 1 Samuel, then they ran and fetched him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upwards. Seems like he's coming back to this. And Samuel said to all the people, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? There is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted, Long live the king. Then Samuel told the people the rights and duties of the kingship, and he wrote them in a book and laid it up before the Lord. Then Samuel sent all the people away, each to his own home. Saul also went to his home at Gibeah, and with him went men of valor whose hearts God had touched. But some worthless fellows said, How can this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no present, but he held his peace. In an example last night, when San- Peter was sharing about this handsome friend and his effect, especially on women, Lou Wall was there, and Lou was a feisty little firecracker. She said, I don't think God would like it. i he's instantly suspicious of handsome men. I don't know if you, any of you other women share that kind of, I don't trust that guy. He can't be nice, too. You don't, you don't want to find somebody who's just, just gorgeous, nice, godly, and wealthy and engaged to your best friend. There's always people who, don't, who, who end up on your side. We know that Saul doesn't turn out as a king, right? We all know he gets rejected. And so these worthless fellows are kind of, you know, on the right page, aren't they? they got it, they've spotted something wrong with Saul. But they're called worthless fellows. They're riffraff. They're, they're people who just don't like Saul because he looks like he's the man for the job, a head taller than everybody else, and really good looking, the best looking in Israel. The fact that you are a co-belligerent with them in your view of Saul doesn't make them right. Remember the problem is not a good looking person can have a problem but they don't have a problem because they're good looking but their good looks may be a problem for us in the positive or the negative. It's our assessment. It's a language being spoken to you now, say, are you actually preaching, my good looking people? Well, no, this is, it's an example. It's an example. To get at the point, we all have to realize to a large degree that we. Don't have a very wide vocabulary when it comes to making decisions on these other communications. We believe you're flipping through the Neiman Marcus catalog, because you've got that, or Nordstrom's or Walmart if they have a catalog. And you get to the man section, and the men are all standing there, they're trim, you know they've got abs of steel. And even the old guys, the old guys are looking grizzled and 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 I can't even do it. I mean, if I get down a little lower, but they're all trim and they're all wearing tweed, and they're all got slightly salt pepper hair or beard crinkles around the eyes because you know that a strong jaw on a man means he's a good man. if he has just the right kind of crinkles around the eyes, he's. Securing. Those are the lang- the languages we speak about looks. Women fall for it. Men fall, you know, uh, in love with a good-looking woman because they think the good-looking woman means something. Women do too, but they don't think it means the same thing. Handsome for women is is security images. The strong jaw. You never go, you never look at a, a, when the Normans invaded England, they brought in both bad teeth and very weak chins. And uh, so if you've got that stock in your family, good luck. Nobody ever has a catalog from an expensive place where all the men are a little poochy and no chin. You know, right from the lip to the neck. Why don't we? They're human beings. They have feelings too. But the women go, we don't like the way they look. They're just awful. But it's not because they're aroused by them, but they're driven to a sense of security. He's tall, his shoulders are back, his chin is out. I have a beard because I don't have a chin. I once, I once, This has nothing to do with the sermon. I once uh, uh, fooled a young lady into thinking I had been hit by a garbage truck, taken out the trash once, and had torn my lower jaw off, and that's why I had a beard, because I had no chin under there. She was not quite <laughs> She also believed, I may have shared this with you before, that bison had five legs, and buffalo had four, and I proved it to her by showing her a buffalo nickel, and it had four legs. So I said, see? (laughs) Like I said, she wasn't real bright. That's probably what you'll remember about the sermon. That was a funny story. And I just laugh about that the rest of the sermon. Was he saying anything more after that? Well, try try to regroup. We all have this tendency to write messages to ourselves that have no reason to be true it's an accident that those words were used that that man has a weak chin does not mean he's an insecure man and cannot provide but that's what it means to us there are some people who look at the positive things and they're envious or they're jealous or whatever and they don't like those things it's not saying that either The pretty girl isn't the mean girl just because she's pretty. Now we have this tendency to fill in all the blanks in our life where we think we're speaking a language and we're really being manipulated by noise that we've assigned meaning to. Accidental noise that we've given meaning and then we design our lives that's just apart from actual communication where you say things to people you know, you use a word and you, you mean it to mean what you meant it to mean and we're filling in the rest of the blanks with accident and assigned meanings that fit into your experience somehow now it's not surprising that we uh, that we like sparkly things flashy things or or things that we, the things we do in those moments is we give away our um, beliefs when we're finally given a choice about what we do. Well, pick the tall guy. Pick the tall guy. Pick the good-looking guy. That was what it was in junior high, right? Who's going to be the captain of the two teams and the good-looking guy and the other good-looking guy? Never the dweeb, it was never Evan. Evan was always picked last. Only if they had to pick all the people. I, sometimes I wasn't even picked. Because if they lined them up by talent, I was out. Line him up by last name, Wilson. I had a rough life. In spite of being ridiculously good looking. Now... We make these mistakes constantly. We wonder why our lives are a mess. So that's why I was thinking vantage point. We have a, could we do something about this? Could we, can we fix this problem? What happened in Israel? 1 Samuel 16. Now you know, Saul fails to obey the Lord regarding the Amalekites. He went out and beat them, but he didn't kill everybody. He didn't slaughter all the animals. He kept the animals. Then he tried to excuse it to Samuel the prophet by saying, oh, the people saved those for uh, sacrifices. And that's where the great line of Samuel is uh, better to obey than sacrifice. And Saul has the, the kingdom torn from him because of that. And At that point, you realize that you have the juxtaposition of Saul the king up against David, who's coming, the becoming king. And in chapter 16, Samuel chooses David. He's at the outs with Saul. He doesn't see Saul again in the rest of his life. So he goes to Jesse's family, directed by the Lord, to pick out a king. And it says in Samuel 16, 6, when they came, speaking of the sons of Jesse, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, famous verse, you know the verse, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him, for the Lord sees not as man sees, Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Okay, so, you know the passage. The Lord, man, God does does not judge the outer appearance, but he looks on the heart. We know what that means. Remember, it also doesn't mean, like the worthless fellows, that you look on the outward appearance with a negative meaning, because God looks at the heart means that a handsome man could be a good man. David is described he's ruddy and handsome. He has nice eyes. It describes him as attractive. But it's not that attractive is bad, but attractive isn't the measure. God looks at things differently. You can argue why the Lord gave the Israelites Saul and it was a little lesson in political theory first round first king not so great now with that set up Saul was good looking and tall everybody jumped at it they were good, it didn't work out he picking the second king out hiding from the first king who was tall and he ends up picking the last son of Jesse who was out guarding the sheep while the big brothers, the better looking ones were presenting themselves before Samuel Samuel wouldn't leave or do anything until that son was called in that son was David and we know how important David becomes in the mind of the Lord's proposals for history Jesus Christ is the son of David he's doing something we want to be a part of that. We, want to, we don't want to have a life that's the result of dumb meaning assignments to things that were accidental. You want to be thinking like a Christian or like God sees the world. Now, so when I was looking at Isaiah 55, when I, when this passage says, do not look at the appearance of his appearance for the height of his stature, because I rejected him, for the Lord sees not as man sees. The Lord looks at the heart. Look at Isaiah 55. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy Hearken diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in fatness. Incline your ear, and come to me, hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call nations that you know not, and nations that you know not shall run to you, (coughs) excuse me. Because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. One of the basic reasons that God's salvation works wonders for the believer's life is not merely that you're, you're graced, you're forgiven, but how much of your life, as you sit in the conversation with the believers, talking over something at dinner, sitting in church, going to a Bible study, whatever it is, reading a book by someone who's written on it, is that we've adjusted our thoughts. We hope to. That's what we hope to be doing through our lives. And this is what it's serving. Because if you don't adjust your thoughts, your thoughts are what sort of you got as basic issue. The accident of thought that you were trained to believe that in our society, a tall man is a dominant man. Sometimes right, sometimes wrong. A good looking man is the correct man. Well, sometimes right, sometimes wrong. Because his thoughts, God's thoughts, are different than our thoughts when I step into a situation like that, like he did with Eliab, Samuel did with Eliab, thinking that he was the Lord's anointed. The Lord said, Hey, I don't look at things like you look at things. I look at actualities, but actualities that are not superficial. We want to have this good description. I just read through it all the way down to that verse 8. Things that satisfy. Blessings that can come. So it says, hearken diligently. Listen, incline your ear and come to him. Because what he did with David was an example. Now there's much more he's done with David than the passage we just read in Samuel 16. But that's one of the things that he picked David for his heart about God. David made mistakes too. But he didn't make them because he was good looking. When we we want to have the honest appraisal, the true appraisal, the read of the language that represents what we need to know about people, about circumstance. But to get at this, the Lord said, look, I'm going to do this for you. This is going to be great. Hey, why don't you come listen to me? I'm going to tell you some things. Uh, great things are going to happen to you. Do um, you follow the way of David? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Now it starts to become... It's not just promise, promise, promise. There's a lot of people out there who love to collect the promises of God. In the Bible, they jot them down on a card and always look at the promises. And you want to look at the qualifications for the promises. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. It's a little too, uh, It'll he'll always be near and he will always be found. I, I wouldn't say that to yourself. You know, the Lord at some point says, uh, "Well, you do not make yourself rich towards God. You're dead, or you can't ever perceive this. You had the chance to perceive it when you had the chance to perceive it. Seek Him while He is available to be found." I'm, I don't have no idea what that category of time is. I don't know what the category of nearness is. Call upon him while he is near. Is it it when you're at church and somebody is singing a hymn? Is that that God near? Remember, you're someone who has hearkened now, inclined yourself, delight yourself, You're looking for God in the situation. You're looking for the mind of God. Because Remember, you're looking saying, I have, a, I have a mindset about the world that I'm running my life by, and somehow I keep making mistakes. Somehow I keep running into bad kings in my life. So I'm looking for God. I'm going to, I'm going to hearken to him because he's promising me more than this. And he's basically saying, look, just like I did with Saul and David, I told you that uh, they looked on the outward appearance you could, you could see that, not a problem if you need someone beautiful, pick someone beautiful but if you need someone wise to run your country you don't pick someone beautiful because that means wisdom so as I am looking around for God, he is crossing my horizon at such a time I'm, I'm, I'm attending to his presence I'm looking the scriptures, while he is near while you're around him Seek it. Ask the questions. When you have someone to ask the questions of, You know someone you can ask the questions of. Go ask them the questions. You know where they live. You know they have time for you. And one thing has to be... You know, all of this has... You know, I have to decide to look for, and the opportunity to look for, And then a basic point of rejection has to happen. I have to reject what I do, that the wicked man forsake his way, and I have to reject what I think, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Abandon your evil and abandon your opinion. I have quoted, I used to carry it in my Bible, it was a Peanuts cartoon that I cut out of the paper in the 70s probably and uh, it was uh, Linus coming up to the doghouse and Snoopy was typing and so you're writing a book of theology it's always good to have a good title and so Snoopy types out has it ever occurred to you that you could be wrong it's a great title for writing a theology book because that's what people who write theology are trying to tell you I'm right, you're wrong but that's what you've got to do. You're going to stand in front of God with your language at stake. Because, remember, your thoughts are not his thoughts. So, you know, kind of come in ready to have that adjusted. Abandon your thoughts. Abandon your evil. Your evil was only allowed to you because you managed to lie enough to yourself about the circumstance. Well, they kind of deserved it. I don't think they deserved that $10 that I took. Kind of world you live in whatever you did whoever you lied to whatever you did that was immoral you must confess you must abandon the evil know that it was wrong to live that way and it was wrong to think you could live that way and that's the harder one I think we could all at a certain point realize well I kind of made mistakes were made I, I did something yes I probably shouldn't have done more time the more you could tell the story it, there, there's a, the innocence, the absolution of the haze of distance but boy, your opinions they're just awful now, mine are just, what do you think, brilliant my opinions are brilliant but you have to, well, what we all think, right you wouldn't hold them if you thought you were wrong what we're learning is that we have to abandon our confidence in our own mind so that something from God can ground you. Something from God can ground you. For as the heavens are higher than the earths, verse 9, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I had a girlfriend once, not Leslie. Charlene was her name. She's a Buddhist now. She was a pastor's daughter then. She believed she could argue with God someday and win. I mean, she she really thought that. that, And she was looking forward to that day when her arguments with God, she'd come out on top. It's no wonder she's a Buddhist. She didn't discover that God's ways were higher than hers. We must discover that, because if we're not going to make the vantage point, the linguistic language definitional point of reading things the wrong way, we read so many things with unspoken forces defining it for you. Leslie and I were talking the other night about what, what things, possible motivations, affect your opinions of certain foods. You know how you like, some of you like bad foods, like beets, or uh, Brussels sprouts, kale. What are the other bad ones? I could give you a list afterwards, but uh, some people like them. How do you, how do you do that? My mother may eat beets. They didn't improve over the centuries. God didn't intend them to be anything other than maybe a, a decorative item. Well, you, you say, wow, we just get you them, know, we all like different things. Well, no, actually, probably it's the way we think about something, the way we saw it. Have you ever been on a camping trip and realized that You could eat anything with dirt in it. I mean, you could be cooking at the campfire and you could find out it's just an open can of pork and beans and somebody sliced up a cheap hot dog from Winco in it and you're looking at it like it's the the supper of the lamb because you're really hungry and it's hot and it's beans and franks or you just end up after hiking too long and somebody says this is our campsite you lie down on the ground and go to sleep if someone had given you that stretch of ground in your bedroom you would not choose to go over and lie down on it you love things for a lot of unspecified accidental things and you give it meaning and then you might even eat beets for the rest of your life not knowing, they're horrid because you were lied to by your circumstance. We have to discover whose thoughts are the right thoughts, and only God's thoughts are the right thoughts. We can be sure of that. Now, accidentally you might come across a true opinion like our our worthless fellows back in chapter 10. You might come across the right position. But we want to be sure that it is the right position, that it is that of God's thoughts. Um, we ended up talking last night about the way foreigners think America works. Now you probably act this way when you go to another country. You pick out the obvious, iconic symbols, put them on you, and you're walking around Mexico in a sombrero and was looking at you like, are you out of your mind? Well, we get that same thing of foreigners, remember back in the 80s? Some of you were old people. And Iranians would be on campus and they would all be uh, wild and crazy guys owning a black Trans Am. They all bought black Trans Ams. They either saw Knight Rider, or they, they this viewed David Hasselhoff as their standard of American male beauty, and don't understand why the girls are not going after them. Their black Trans Am and a gold chain and a little misting oil on their chest hair. You go, know, ah. Well, all they do is that that's what they saw as the superficial top things of the language that is spoken and don't understand it isn't the language we t- <laughs> and no offense here if any of you are geeks but then geeks came up as sort of foreigners in our country they don't really understand how life is and a story was told of some guy who'd asked a pretty girl out for a date and didn't know that you didn't automatically rent a limo, rent a suit, and buy roses. First date with a girl who didn't know him from Adam. She thought she was getting a bowl of noodles. And uh, it didn't go well for him because he was a foreigner. He was a, a geek into computer science and tried to enter the normal world and speak the language he thought. That's how they spoke it, right? You get a limo. Women are impressed with limos. That's how we function through our lives, and we wonder why it's a train wreck, a calamity, one after another. Because we don't stop to seek God on the matter. Tragically, it's encouraged sometimes. There are, just like there are men who think that a Trans Am, or any kind of muscle car, is kind of get the girls all worked up, there are frankly girls who will get all worked up. They're as dumb as the guys, you know, they go, well, it's, a, it's got big slicks on the back, and a uh, spoiler, that's fast. He's got a strong jaw. It keeps encouraging us to believe our own language works and we keep running our life into the dirt, but as for the rain, And the snow come down from heaven and return not thither but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that that goes forth from my mouth. I didn't read that correctly. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It's come down from heaven too. He is in the heavens higher than the earth. We need to for us to admit that our sins and our thoughts need to be abandoned, there has to be that, you know, that suppleness to your knee. You have to be able to bend it and say, I will bow before the living God. It comes down from heaven, and it comes down for a purpose. And because we're the kind of people that are working for more than just a handsome boyfriend. We're looking for a, a life that is quality. The kind of life that your non Christian friends or your Christian friends who need to will ask you, How did you do that? And you can be poor and you can be wealthy and you're going to wonder because it doesn't matter. He said, You know, you're kind of homely, but it worked out for you. It meant homely people that are just radiant and attractive to you because they thought like Jesus Christ. His word shall not return empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God has a point with the way he thinks, and he wants to make us conform to the image of his son. So taking on his thoughts is the path and understanding his vantage point Understanding his definitions, understanding how he sees the world and listening to him and abandoning your own opinions, they're not that good, is what's going to make you prosper in the situation. You shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall be to the Lord for a memorial, for an everlasting sign which shall not be cut off. Sounds like a good place. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful for your mercies to us. Help us learn to think, listen to you, and think your thoughts. Help us be ready to abandon our own, and our own style of living. That our vantage point would be yours, and the language we speak would be yours. In your son's name we pray. Amen.